Thank you, Molly. One of the things I love about summer is the opportunity to have university students home and uh, sharing their gifts with us. I'd invite us to a time of prayer, invite you to bow with me, Uh, some moments of quiet, some moments to simply be, to listen to the voice of the Spirit, to meditate on God's goodness, to use this time as a time of private prayer, confession, or praying for someone you care about, and then I'll lead us in prayer. Lord, the world is so noisy and so demanding. It is good to be in Your presence and to be still and know that You are God. To soak up the blessings that we've already experienced. To reflect on the words we've heard. To prepare our hearts for the message. To prepare our hearts for the Word that will come into our hearts. We come acknowledging our sinfulness our need to be cleansed and experience newness. We need to get over ourselves because selfishness is at the root of all of our brokenness and sin. Fill us this morning with an awareness of how much you love us, more than we even know, and that there's nothing that could happen that could change that. Free us in that knowledge to love others and to love you. We pray for the sick in our congregation. We pray for the grieving. We pray for our people in armed services, those in law enforcement and emergency work and medical services, for those who give so much to the healing of our community and our world. We pray this week for Vacation Bible Camp. We are excited about all of the wonderful things that will happen. We pray for blessings upon leaders and pupils and families and all the workers. We pray for the basketball camp, for the sports crusaders camp, as uh, in the afternoons the, uh, the work of Jesus will be shared in, in so many diverse ways. We ask God that you bless every ministry of this congregation, all of our mission partners today, and over the world that the name of Jesus might go forth, that there might be peace in places of conflict, that you might guide us into your ways. Now we wait to hear from you. Instruct our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read to you a passage from Luke, the 8th chapter, beginning in verse 4, reading through verse 15. This is the most explanation Jesus ever gave to any of his parables. Uh, It's really a parable about parables, and it's a parable about the kingdom. It's a story, and then he gives an explanation to the story. And uh, we're going to look at it this morning. Luke, the 8th chapter, verses 4 through 15. Uh, It's in your pew Bibles, or you may follow on screen. And I invite you to stand as we come to attention as God's Word comes among us. When a great crowd gathered and people from town after town came to Jesus, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell on the path and was trampled on, And the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered for lack of moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. Some fell into good soil 
And when it grew, it produced a hundredfold. As he said this, he called out, Let anyone with ears to hear listen. Then his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but to others I speak in parables, so that looking they may not perceive and listening they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones on the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe only for a while and in a time of testing fall away. As for what fell among the thorns, these are the ones who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. But as for that in the good soil, these are the ones who, when they hear the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patient endurance. The word of the Lord as he blesses it to our hearts and to our minds. You may be seated. FFA, Future Farmers of America. That was its original name. Now that's the official name, just FFA. Uh, I belonged to FFA when I was in high school. We studied about seeds and soil. We studied about livestock. We studied about uh, agricultural markets. We studied about food production. And uh, it was a chapter. Each high school had a chapter. And we uh, competed with one another in various contests and learned leadership and all kinds of things. Now, okay, maybe the sermon title is a little bit of an exaggeration. Maybe not everything I know I learned in FFA, okay? I'm just ministerially speaking there, a little exaggeration. Uh, actually, I learned a lot of the things that I learned in FFA on the farm growing up as a boy before I was ever a freshman. I learned them intuitively. I learned them as I was doing. But FFA was a way of formalizing those things I learned, systematizing those things I learned. And it opened my world to a larger view of agriculture, not just the acreage that we farmed and the livestock that we took care of. Uh, we would do, in the chapters for competition, seed judging contests uh, where you would compete against other chapters and other schools and you would have to identify seed. You know, that's clover, that's a clover seed, uh, that's a wheat seed, that's a barley seed, uh, that's a dandelion seed. They would sneak in the weeds in there to make sure you could tell the difference because if you're going to farm, you need to know the difference between a weed and a, and a healthy fruit-producing kind of, kind of stock. And, and so all of those things, and various kinds of competition. Learned a lot. Does it surprise you that Jesus told so many stories that have to do with farming? Does it surprise you that Jesus told so many stories that were agriculturally based? Um, it really shouldn't because, first of all, uh, he lived in an agrarian culture. It was very much a, a culture that was close to the soil. They had no supermarkets. They depended upon the soil to produce that which they would eat. And so they were very close to the soil and depended upon agriculture in a very direct way in that time and in that culture. But Jesus also told stories about farming because there are just things we know about farming even if we've never been in FFA. Uh, there, the, if you garden, if you... Um, do any kind of planting of, of flowers, you know there is this miraculous thing that happens. There's this dance between seed and soil. 
And when you add water and sunshine, this dance becomes an amazing miracle as things happen. Take, for example, uh, kernels of wheat. I want to just show you a picture of of kernels of wheat. Uh, Those tiny little seeds placed in the ground, that's winter wheat, uh, placed in the ground in the fall of the year, sort of lying dormant over the winter. And then look what happens to that around, oh, say, Uh, May and early June. It's now green and it's just lush and it's covering the fields all over uh, the United States. And then look what happens in late June and early July when it turns golden brown and the combine comes through and harvests it. And this next picture you might recognize what that seed turns into. That's called bread. That's, That's stuff on your table. Now imagine, all of that happens from a tiny little seed. You know, you don't every two months come and and squirt something into it. Uh, Every month you don't come with a hammer, a nail, and build things onto it. You don't come with a a, a voice and say, please seed, well, if you're farming, you might do that. Uh, Please seed, grow, you know, germinate. All of this happens because the seed goes into the ground and dies and then comes forth to life. Every piece of bread you put in your mouth is a testimony to God's miracle. Isn't it, isn't it just amazing? Uh, that whole process that happens. And Jesus was talking about the seed being the Word of God that's so packed with life and with life-giving life. It's amazing. But having said all that, the real drama of the story that Jesus told is not a drama about seeds. Now, seeds are are vital to his story, but the real drama is about soils. Uh, In other words, the seeds are constant in Jesus' four examples. The seeds are the same. The variable in his story is not the seed, but the soil. So that if we were talking in FFA, we would say, we're not talking about seed anymore, we're talking about agronomy, the science of soil management. Because different kinds of soil produce different kinds of results. The seed may be the same. See, there's a reason Jesus told this story. And the key is found in verse 4. Because in verse 4, the Scripture says that a great crowd had gathered and the people were coming from town after town to Him. Now, now here's the way this works. Jesus saw the crowds and He thought to Himself, this crowd isn't going to stay because I'm, I'm preaching a tough message. I'm sharing a tough, tough message about the way of cross and the way of death. And Jesus knew the crowds were going to thin out and His disciples were going to push the panic button. And they were going to say, if this message is so great, why are the crowds so small? If, if Jesus is so wonderful as we know Him, why isn't the response better? And Jesus told the story to say, you know, the, the seed is powerful. The Word of God is powerful. But when you farm, you have to get acquainted with failure. When you farm, you have to get acquainted with disappointment. When you farm, you have to get acquainted with the occasional surprise of that which grows and that which does not. And the variable, he said, is the soil. And so Jesus painted the picture for us this way. He tells the story. He said, a sower went out and he just sowed indiscriminately. He just, he just tossed the seed everywhere. And some of the seed landed on uh, the hard ground. The little truck patch 
farms of Jesus' day were not huge acreages divided by, by fence. They were little, little tracts of land that were separated by footpaths. People would walk footpaths around uh, various people's acreage or, or little, little tiny truck patch. And where they walked, the ground would be packed. And Jesus said where the seed fell on that hard ground, nothing would grow, the birds would snatch it away. Jesus said that's like hard hearts that just don't do anything with the Word of God that comes to them. Jesus said other seed uh, fell on soil that was rocky. Now, He wasn't talking about boulders above ground. He was talking about that thin layer of limestone just beneath the surface of the soil. Does anybody here know anything about that kind of soil? I tell you what, we are definitely on the edge of the Ozark Mountains because when we first moved here, I was trying to, trying to plant a shrub uh, on the west side of our house and I kept hitting the ground with a spade and the ground kept hitting me back. And my teeth were getting jarred and I finally called my dad and I borrowed a pickaxe to, to pick a hole in the ground. And I remember saying to Janet, nothing is ever going to grow in this yard. I don't see how anybody grows anything. But see, it did over time because we worked the soil. But it didn't happen instantly. It happened over time. Jesus said, that's what happens to some people. They, they receive the Word of God and, and something sprouts up for a little while, but the soil is so thin, so shallow, that there's no nutrition there and it just, it just wilts away. Uh, we know people like that, don't we? They get all enthused. There's a burst of enthusiasm uh, there's a, there's a, a burst of good intentions. They, they attend a revival meeting and they, they hear the Word and they're going to do great things for God or they go to some camp experience or they go to a concert or they read their favorite author or they listen to their favorite speaker on some uh, program and, and they get all pumped, but uh, nothing really ever comes of it because there's no depth. That, that experience with the Word of God does not grow into salvation. It doesn't grow into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, then there's the kind of uh, seed that's sown, there's the kind of soil that's just covered with thistles and thorns and weeds. Uh, the seed falls into the ground, it begins to grow, but it's, it's competing for nutrition in the soil with all those thorns and thistles, and they just choke it out. Just, Jesus said, that's like the people who hear the Word of God, and, but the cares of this world and the distractions of this world just sort of take over, and that nothing ever comes, it does not grow into salvation does not grow into a saving knowledge of Jesus. And then Jesus said there's some. There's some seed that falls on rich, black, loamy soil. And it goes down in there and it, it germinates. And it sprouts and it grows and it produces fruit. And Jesus said it's awesome. It's awesome. And Jesus told this story because he knew that his workers, including us, would get discouraged. He told this story basically to say, you never know what seed is going to bear fruit and what seed is not. So you just have to sow and sow and sow. You never know what's going to bring results, so you just have to keep at it and leave the results to God. But just keep sowing. Just keep working. And just keep doing that. Uh, you've had that experience. You're teaching a Bible study. 
and you say to yourself, I'm not sure this is really doing any good. I'm not sure I'm connecting with the students. I'm not sure attendance is very good or interest is very high. Jesus says, just keep sowing. Or maybe you're cultivating a relationship with someone who's not a believer. And uh, it just seems to be taking so long to, to build trust and to be able to talk about spiritual things and to earn the right to be heard. And you think there are two steps forward and then there's a step back and you just get discouraged. Jesus said, just keep, just keep sowing and just keep working the soil. It just all takes time. Think about our congregation this coming week. Think of all the seed that's going to be sown in Vacation Bible Camp. Hundreds of little children hearing about Jesus, some of them for the first time. A seed going down into the soil of their little hearts and maybe lying dormant for a long time. We don't know. But then maybe weeks, months, years later, something sprouts because of something they learned. Think about uh, basketball camp in the afternoons this coming week. And the sports crusaders here, living a witness in front of the children, teaching them basketball skills, teaching them life skills, sharing Jesus with them. What an incredible opportunity. Think about other ways that we can sow. Inviting people to church, inviting people to come with you to worship. The easiest kind of evangelism there is. Uh, Gallup polls continue to show that of the millions of people in America who do not attend church, Almost every time they ask this question, at least half of the people polled who do not attend church say they would attend if they were invited. Now, how easy could that be to sow in that fashion? Sometimes the sowing is uh, more creative and more indirect. Sometimes the seeds lie dormant a long time. Brian McLaren, in one of his books, tells about uh, a couple that that he knew when he was pastoring a church. Uh, The man was a dentist, the woman was an architect. They lived in a subdivision, and they were sort of that neighborhood's chaplains. And it happened accidentally, because there was a tragic death in the neighborhood. A little boy, a a uh, neighbor's little boy, was tragically killed in an accident. Well, this couple uh, in McLaren's church took immediate action. They organized meals brought to the home of the grieving family. They, they hosted a prayer meeting, even though they said most of the people who came to the prayer meeting were not confessing believers in Christ, and most did not know much about prayer, but they came out of grief and shock and concern, and they began to build some relationships. And then over the months and years, McLaren says, people started looking to this couple, the dentist and the architect, for spiritual counsel. They'd come to them and say, pray with us, our son is facing a decision in college. Or pray with us, I have a job-related problem. Or pray with us about a particular family struggle. And McLaren says, they actually became pastors of that, of that little neighborhood because of their Christian witness. You see what he was saying? He, he basically was saying they were seeding down the subdivision. They were seeding down the subdivision and just waiting with excitement to see what would sprout and what would grow. But now, I want to change the camera angle of this parable and I want to suggest 
and propose a different interpretation of this parable than maybe we usually than we usually think of. We almost always read this parable as if it's describing those people out there, the unchurched. You know, the hard soil that's packed down from trampling of feet, the rocky soil, the thorns and thistles that choke out the Word. But we're the ones with the good fertile soil. It's always the way we read the parable. always the way I've read it. But I, I got to thinking this week. What if the four soils are not four different kinds of people out there? What if the four soils are that which is in me and that which is in you all the time at various points, at various experiences? And, and the reason that I got focused on this is that Luke uses over and over again key words. Hear and listen and, and uh, the Word of God as the seed. Look how many times in this Scripture the word hear or heard or listen. Those words are used. Verse 8, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15. The Word is used 11, 13, and 15. In fact, grammatically in verse Eight, Jesus says, let anyone with ears hear. Let anyone with ears listen. See, here's a thought. Maybe following Jesus is not so much a one-time experience as it is a lifelong conversation with the Word of God. A lifelong listening experience. A lifelong hearing and obeying experience. And it's Father's Day. So I'm going to publicly issue a challenge to every dad here. In fact, I'm going to expand it and I'm going to issue a challenge to every man here, whether you're a dad or not. I'm going to issue a challenge that we as men step it up a notch that we as men step it up a notch and that we begin to work the soil of our own hearts. That we begin to tend the Word of God in our own lives. That we break up that fallow hard ground, our hard cynical hearts. That we begin to deal with the shallowness that's there in our hearts that never goes very far with God. That we begin to deal with the distractions, the thorns and thistles that suck away our spiritual life and energy. That we pay attention to the Word of God. And I want to challenge the men who are present today to maintain a daily quiet time with God. It doesn't have to be more than 15 minutes away from the distractions and the noise. A few minutes reading a psalm or a chapter from one of the Gospels, a passage of Scripture to reflect on it and pray. And what do you mean you don't have time? We have time for everything else we want to do, for every hobby, for everything that's important in our lives, for everything we love, for every man here to take seriously a daily quiet time with God.
to allow the soil in your life to become fertile to receive the planting of what God wants to do in your life. That's my challenge. And then men, to begin to sow that seed in your families and in your workplace where you have influence. To begin to share God's Word in ways that are appropriate. And then wait to see what's going to grow and what God's going to do. That could be that, that quiet germinating, that quiet sprouting, could be the bumper crop that Jesus is waiting on. You and I could be the bumper crop that Jesus is waiting on. Let's pray.